0: The following pre-recorded program is brought to you by Wrestling With The Inner Man. Welcome to Wrestling With The Inner Man, because the first fight we face each and every day is a fight with our flesh. Do we listen to our selfish sinful nature or to divine nature guided by the Holy Spirit? Your host, David Savage, is a product of the West Texas Desert and Energy Industry, who recently received the biggest promotion of his life, reporting directly to the top boss, God. We hope you're ready to rumble, because wrestling with the inner man begins
1: now. Good evening, WWM listeners. I like that bell, and we were ready to rumble, because the recent and unprecedented events around the Supreme Court leak certainly mark a bright line in my own mind, and probably in the mind of every listener out there, on one side or the other. It is a battle line. We are experiencing culture war like no other as Christians. We are called to spiritual arms in God's army to fight for his truth. My guest today has recently published his book titled The Soldier Code, Ancient Warrior Wisdom for Modern-Day Christian Soldiers. In it, he states the following, If Christians are to survive and take New ground in the age of war, we need a revival of the soldier spirit in scripture. We must rediscover the ancient paths blazed by those who trusted God, followed him into the fray, and held fast till answers came. Folks, I have read this entire book and love the way he takes no prisoners using his considerable Bible knowledge and passion for martial history to help equip the modern-day Christian soldier for wrestling with today's counterculture ideology pastor, author, and voice actor, Duncan Ray Brannan. Welcome to Wrestling with the Inner Man.
2: <laughs> Thanks so much, Dave. It is it is an honor to be here with you and here on the program, Wrestling with the Inner Man.
1: Well, uh, again, you know, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed the book, and why don't you just uh, dive right in? Give us a little uh, more color on your background, your experience as a pastor, and, and how you came to write the book.
2: Yeah, so... Um uh, pastoring, uh, you know, it's something that, uh, I began many, many years ago, uh, for 30 years in ministry. I pastored children, men, uh, been an interim worship pastor, creative arts, college and career, small groups, families, uh, you name it. Um, I've, I've worn a cap for it pretty much in the local church. And, um, the, the book really came about, um, and, and just kind of a conversation with God, really. About 20 years ago, I was walking through a Barnes & Noble one day, passing by the history section. I was there to get some discipleship materials, and I just really felt a prompting from the Lord to stop um and kind of go over uh, in that direction. And I found myself in front of a copy of Sun Tzu's The Art of War, a military Chinese classic that I had never read, had heard about several times and so forth. But I just really felt the prompting of the Lord to buy it. So I took it home, bought it, began to read it. And it really started another series of conversations with God, because I remember reading Sun Tzu and just being taken by his very first statement, war is a matter of vital importance to the state. The province of life or death, the road to survival or ruin, it is mandatory that it be thoroughly studied. And I remember that and and looking at the different aspects of war that Sun Tzu talked about, from discipline to counterintelligence um just understanding all of the factors on the field and so forth. And these truths really, so many of them translated seamlessly into the spiritual warfare experience that we wage as Christians against a very ruthless enemy, obviously Satan, against a very nasty flesh, which this program centers around, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and a number of the other struggles we face. And so that started that uh, uh, just a, a journey of, Studying ancient martial culture, and twenty years later, um, you know, through creating events and other ministry programs and things like that for men and for women, here comes the the book, The Soldier's Code, and uh, the heart behind it is to really to stir up the veterans that we have in the body of Christ to recruit new soldiers for the the hour that we're facing here in our culture to help weak and wounded soldiers find healing who people who've been in ministry before and have experienced wounds like uh, my wife and I have um, and really mobilize the church for these last days and, and carry the gospel farther than we've ever done before.
1: Outstanding. You know, I read Sun Tzu Mm -hmm. because I was in sales and they had, you know, all these strategies and uh, that was very Mm -hmm. applicable to the field of sales, which is another field of competition. But so in, Mm -hmm. in the soldier code, you use, Six warrior culture metaphors to describe certain attributes of a fully armed Christian soldier, armored rather. So we have the samurai, the Spartan, the Viking, the knight, the gladiator, and the Roman soldier or legionary. And since we have limited time, and I I definitely want to have you back on the show again. In fact, I think I want to do a series on this. Let's just zero in on the samurai today. So in the samurai Mm -hmm. section of the book, you introduced a phrase called... The way of the Ronin. Did I am I pronouncing that right? Ronin. Uh,
2: yeah, we would say Ronin. Ronin. Uh, it's okay. Plural version of the word. I know.
1: Okay. The way of the Ronin, which seems particularly uh, applicable to our culture here in the U.S. today. Can you explain to our audience what Ronin means and why samurai in a period of Japanese history were referred to as such? Yeah. So,
2: kind of setting the stage there. From a, starting in about the year 1465 in uh, medieval Japan, you they went through uh, a, just a brutal 150-year process of civil war. You know, we have in our culture here five years of civil war, and it took 600,000 men um, in that time. And imagine your country going through a 150-year process of that and what it might look like before and then afterwards. Mm. And the Ronin were a class of samurai. They had been samurai. Samurai was simply a meant a servant, and he had a master. And the Ronin were those who had become masterless samurai um, in some way uh, by virtue of their wartime experience. Um, they lost the master, and they could have been in battle. Um, he could have been shamed by defeat and taken his life and ritual suicide. Um, he could have uh, had to let go many of his samurai retainers because of laws afterwards in defeat that restricted the number of men that he could keep in order for the the, the shogunate the japanese government to, to maintain control and and so forth but um these these very skilled um highly adept um warriors when they were set loose from their 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 samurai rearing their samurai professionally they, and, and went back home. They found an even worse plight. They faced segregation laws and social customs that really punished them for having no clan affiliation, no master. They were kind of seen as these, these orphans, these outcasts and vagabonds. They, they were not welcome at inns. They were denied service by merchants. They were frowned upon by locals and they were just joked about. Um, they had been respected the day before, um, highly decorated, um, so many of them. And now, all of a sudden, these these professional warriors and, and men of great renown and respect and deeds, um, now they were just absolute derelicts um, by society, at least in their eyes. And it's, uh, th- their name, the Ronin, meant men of the waves, the wave man. Um, and it was this idea of them just kind of being carried about maybe wherever they could find work or kind of wherever the winds took them. Um, and it was a very sad time. Um, for a number of, uh, of, of thousands of, of great warriors who had um, who had done some some pretty amazing things in the age of war, uh, and now they were just they were just left out to left out to die.
1: Wow, I, I, it's just so applicable to today because I think of uh, this generation of young men in our country as rudderless. You know, they are the men of the waves mm-hmm. today. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, in that same section of the book on the samurai, you state that, you know, that's what we have become as Christians, that Mm -hmm. we we have Mm -hmm. a lot of these people who have become de-churched, which would be like the Mm -hmm. modern day equivalent of the Ronin due to wounds, Mm -hmm. offenses and struggles with bosom sins. So now we're talking Mm -hmm. about things that we all wrestle with. And that's the name of this show. And uh, here's a quote from your book that I really liked. It said, millions of decorated, highly skilled Christian soldiers wander the countryside, emotionally wounded, spiritually homeless, and missionally aimless. Tragic. I know this not just because of my work as a seasoned pastor, but because my wife and I almost became a statistic. We wanted to leave the local church forever, stay at home, lick our wounds, study the Bible, and use our gifts on our own as full tilt Spiritual Ronin. <laughs> so, Duncan, I know discussing wounds like this can be difficult, but I know that many mm-hmm. listeners out there might have experienced something quite similar and need to learn how to work through such negative thoughts and feelings. You know, So can you please share with us how you and Rolana made it through such a, a desert in your lives?
2: Mm-hmm. So in a period of about five years, um, Rolana and I experienced some of the most brutal spiritual warfare that we've really ever seen. And, and sadly, it was within the what we think should be the safe confines of, of the church. We were betrayed by leaders that we had trusted. Um, we had been attacked by members that we had served very faithfully uh, at our own cost, um, slandered by ministers that we had respected. Um, in one place, we had been hired uh, by a senior pastor to produce dramas for his sermons and then fired by a committee under that same roof that disagreed with the pastor's vision and didn't want dramas in their church. Um, and still by another, um, abandoned by another church, uh, just as my father was was on his deathbed and Roland and I were fighting for our marriage at the time. And so to say that, to, to say that we were wounded uh, would <laughs> would kind of be an understatement. We, mm-hmm. we were humiliated. Um, and we really, we felt about as valued as a, as a lame horse taken out back and shot, um, to be real frank about it, mm. and uh, so it was. It was extremely, extremely painful, extremely difficult.
1: So, now how did you how did you work through that? You know, with your mm-hmm. your faith. You know, I, because uh, I think uh, here's how you described it. You know, in in the book, I'm I'm taking another expert here. You know, maybe mm-hmm. you've already joined the ranks of the dechurched Ronin, wandering the spiritual mm-hmm. countryside calluses covering a once tender heart. And I think that's a great way to describe it. But as you stand before your valley of dry bones, can you sense God's spirit hovering and asking, can these dry bones live? And that that's how hopeless it feels, you know. But God responded with five separate miracles that you outlined in your book when you <laughs> trusted him. So, mm-hmm. tell, you know, tell us about those miracles.
2: Yeah, uh, it, it really was something. And um, so when all of this, all of this came down. I remember uh, kneeling down by my bed one morning, uh, kind of the, the morning after the the final coup de grace, if we're really, and just having this this deep and intense conversation with God, because uh, I knew the next week that I had a a retreat, a spiritual retreat that I was supposed to go teach at. And I needless to say, I didn't feel like, like I was in any kind of shape to go teach a retreat. I was like, I need to go on one. I don't need to go teach one right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I had this conversation with the Lord just in, in my prayer time. And I, you know, it wasn't an audible voice that I was hearing. And so it just those deep impressions that we get oftentimes as we're in that secret place. And as I prayed, I just, I just prayed, Lord, please let, you know, let me go from this commitment. Um, I I don't want to go. I can't do this right now. And he kept whispering to me, just trust me, go. And and I was just incredulous with him. What do you mean you want me to go? Have you not been listening to everything that I told you has happened as if he didn't know? And he just kept softly, very softly, very gently answering, trust me, go, and I will speak to you when you get there. And at one point, I was just fuming with him, just hopping mad. And I said, I did trust you. And now I'm a bloody mess for it. And I felt God's heart just begin to grieve at that. And he left off speaking for a while. And I just, I felt that grieving of the Holy Spirit that Paul speaks of in Ephesians chapter 4. And I felt him weeping with me over all that had happened. And I felt his compassion. And it began to melt. My heart, and after finally just sitting there in his presence and weeping over everything that had happened for a while, he came back again and, and whispered, "Trust me, go." And I'd love to tell you that just this huge faith erupted in my heart. <laughs> all of that. But uh, it was more just like a okay a shrug, a shrug. Oh, <laughs> um, all right, but it was, exactly. But it was a yes that's what he wanted and he wanted to get me to that place of trust and obedience again but what i didn't realize what happened in that moment david is that moment that i said yes the anger left my heart i didn't realize it until about a day later but i was not angry anymore i had been and i had been boiling
1: that's huge and all of a
2: sudden this anger was gone yeah it was it was absolutely huge it was like you know taking the sting out of the you know, the venom out of the sting as it were so that was really miracle number 1 the the second thing that happened though is I went and taught on this retreat just within days of being there as I went and fought for the hearts of these other men the the Lord came and fought for my heart and my heart was completely restored it was a five-day retreat and at the end of this time my heart was restored I was able to get back into the fight (laughs) I was a complete 180 just a complete renovation of the Holy Spirit and while I was away Rolanna was back home spending time with her parents, um, just two wonderful godly people. Her father was an elder for many years, was a pastor at this point. Um, her mother, just kind of a spiritual Levite, played multiple, multiple instruments, sang in choir and so forth. Just an amazing family. So she had great roots to go back to and she spent some time with them. And so while I was away receiving ministry, Rolanna was back here receiving ministry. And so when I came home, he was in a different place too. that was miracle number three. The fourth thing that happened was that while I was on that retreat spending that time away, the Lord gave me one of the best friends man friends that I'd ever had in my entire life um, a friend Jeff Roberts and our hearts just became knit like David and Jonathan. We were both in a really really tough time and in that those foxhole moments together. God really did miracles inside of our hearts and just joined us, and we became brother warriors and really kind of started a, a series of campaigns to really going forward of, of adventures that we went on in ministry and going and, and fighting for even more people and so forth. And the last thing that happened, though, the, in this series of miracles that the Lord did for us, with Him restoring our faith in the local church, it had obviously been fractured, it had obviously been hurt really bad. And... When some friends invited us uh, to go uh, to a Milestone Church placed here in uh, Keller, Texas, um, at, at their behest, we we went. And we found ourselves before uh, a pastor with a really genuine shepherd's heart. You know, we, we liked it from the time we, we went in, and there were many things that we loved about it and so forth, but he wanted to sit down and get to know us. And... We expected, you know, kind of the talk of, well, where would you like to serve? What do you want to get involved in? you want to get involved in the life group over here? Do you want to lead over here? Do you want to become an usher? What do you want to do? And so forth. And he wasn't interested in any of those things. He sat down for coffee with us and was genuinely concerned with how we were doing and what we had been through. And when we said, well, where would you like us to serve? He said, you know what? He said, we don't want you to worry about that right now. We just want to get to know you and we want to help you guys get well. We want to love on you and minister to you if you'll let us. And over the next eight years, that pastor showed us the heart of Christ as a shepherd again and won our trust back and brought us to such a level of healing there and a healing in our marriage. And so that was miracle number five for us. It It was such a wonderful, wonderful work of God.
1: Man, I mean, what what a testimony, what a story. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, as you began the story, you reminded me of Jonah. It's like, I, I, I'm really reluctant on this mission. I'm going to try to escape and get out of it, which is what we all do first, right? We're all, and then and then I just have this picture of these dry bones. You know, they're just, you know, there's nothing on them. They're just bleached right out there in the sun. It's like, how can that be an army again? And then just seeing like the mm-hmm. sinews start to, you know, and they just kind of, beginning it together and become, you know, human beings. And that's how you can be restored when we trust Mm -hmm. God. And, you know, you have such a great way of relating the story. Um, And I just love how it's really your book and all of these examples are geared toward men, because men really need to be encouraged to be men. And one thing when we're wrestling with these things is, you know, sometimes, you know, we can kind of get the upper hand, and then we think we have the advantage Mm -hmm. and we don't. We don't knock them out. You know, we don't finish it. And I, I want you to just uh, expand a little bit on the secret of Miyamoto Musashi, if I said that mm. right, the principle of mm. knocking out the heart.
2: Right. So uh, Miyamoto Musashi was uh, more, probably the, the most renowned ronin who came out of the age of war period that I had mentioned earlier. Uh, legendary samurai. Uh, he's got his own book. Of course, <laughs> everybody was writing a book back then. <laughs> but, uh, he had his uh, – it's called The Book of Five Rings, and it's about dueling, and it's about his philosophy that he developed in this time. But he had um, – when he ran – he traveled the countryside dueling. That's what he became famous for. And he had a technique that when he ran into a particularly um, persistent opponent, somebody who would not give up, he had a technique that he developed called knocking out the heart. And he, he said, and I quote it in the books, is when you fight with an adversary and appear to win, your opponent may still have ideas, still inwardly refuse to acknowledge defeat. Knocking the heart out is for such cases, and this means that you suddenly change your attitude to stop the enemy from entertaining any such ideas. So the main thing is to see that adversaries feel defeated from the bottom of their hearts. When your enemies have completely lost heart, you don't have to pay attention to them anymore. So he believed in this philosophy of absolutely demoralizing your enemy to the point where they would not pick up a sword at all. And what the spiritual application that I really make here in the book is that's how the enemy attacked Roland and I in our season, and it's what he's done to many ministers and many believers out there today. He has attacked them so viciously in such a demoralizing way that they've given up on church, they've given up on ministry, and they're no longer engaged in the fight.
1: Well, I, we're getting a little bit short on time, but uh, what are your thoughts uh, just briefly on how we can rescue the Ronin in our, in our society today? Mm-hmm.
2: Well, obviously, um, we don't go through these, these seasons without our own level of sin. Uh, we make mistakes along the way, and so the beginning of that is really getting before God and just getting honest with Him about the sins that we've committed through these tough seasons that we've been through. Um, like First John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But the, the second thing is, is finding that place, that place of grace to forgive other people. That's a command of, of Christ Himself. And in Scripture, He tells us to remember how God has forgiven us in Christ so that we can release others from the things that they've done to us also. Because in in the light of the cross of Christ, in the light of the cross, there is grace to forgive every sin under the sun. But the the third most important place where this really happens is getting back into a place of fellowship with, with a few trusted brothers. Maybe you can't go back to church yet, but you can start with some close trusted friends. Share your burdens with them. Allow them to pray for you. Take these wounds to them and seek some ministry. And just like I did, you'll begin to find that God is, he's not going to rush into it. He's going to build his trust with you slowly and he'll help nurse you back to health. If you'll just take those little obedient steps like I did when I journey started.
1: Fantastic. Well, look, I want to have you back on. We want to talk about Spartans mm-hmm. and Vikings and knights and gladiators. Cause I love it. <laughs> and, uh, and speaking <laughs> of, of rescuing, You know, if you have a situation where someone or somehow a mess has been made of your belongings through water damage or electrical surges, remember that our sponsor, Prism Specialties, is in the restoration business. Whether it's your electronics, textiles, or artwork that may have been damaged by water, Prism can help you restore and recover those valuables at a fraction of replacement costs. So give them a call. So if you like this show and this topic, you know, please email us at wrestlingwiththeinnerman at gmail.com to offer input, suggestions, or feedback on any of our programs. And since you're the pastor, why don't you close us out with a little prayer here, Duncan? Thanks for coming on.
2: Mm, absolutely. Heavenly Father, I just, uh, we want to pray for all of our brothers and sisters out here who may be listening to this program today, have been wounded uh, in ministry, have just felt maybe abandoned by a church. Um, and Father, we pray right now that with your precious grace, your precious Holy Spirit, and Lord, your boundless love, that you would reach out to their hearts, that you would let them know that they're not alone, that you see them, that you haven't forgotten them, and that, Lord, you want them back in the fight, that you need them back in the fight, that the body needs them, and that, Lord, you're willing to meet them right where they're at with all their pain. Lord, we ask you to minister the truth. We ask you to bring faithful friends into their lives to speak and share the things that they need to hear. Lord, restore them as only you can in
1: Jesus' name. Amen. And also, God bless your servant, Duncan Brannan. So thanks for coming on the show. We'll have you back soon, Duncan. Take care.
2: Thanks so much,
1: Dave. AM 1070, The Answer, Wrestling with the Inner Man.
0: Thanks for listening to Wrestling with the Inner Man with David Savage. We believe the winners in this ring courageously follow God's word, love and protect God's woman, excel at God's work, matters god's world and his children for more information reach out to david at wrestling with the inner man at gmail.com that's wrestling with the inner man at gmail.com tune in next time as wrestling with the inner man tackles more tough topics to train up a generation of better men